I don't care what level, I don't care what echelon you serve inside of an organization. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a voice or voices that they can talk to, to give them objective feedback on their performance and to let them know you're either operating within your strengths or you're not. And here's why. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to Access Points Podcast. As always, my name is Davin Marceau. I'm the Chief Operating Officer with Access eForms. And I'm here today with a tremendously special guest. She was on last week. She's a dear friend of mine and a very important coaching figure in my life, Miss Barb DaCosta. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. How are you? It's so good to be with you. (laughs) I know. It's been so long since I've seen you. It's, it's, uh, I think the last time we saw each other was what, December of last year. So it's almost been a year Yeah. when we had you down in the Dallas office and and able to work with us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive into the story about your and I's relationship, Barb, and, Mm -hmm. and and the friendship that we've built and the coaching relationship that we've built, um, and how that has had a tremendous impact at access. And then, you know, more importantly, how our listeners leverage that type of coaching relationship, that type of coaching mentality within an organization and, and the importance behind it, and then how to build it. So, you know, I think most importantly, let's get started on, on the story of Barb and Davin, because it, it really kind of builds the foundation for this whole thing. You were working with Tim at Strategic Coach sometime yeah. before I started Access, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was working with him one-on-one, coaching him on the bigger picture, um, you know, designing and keeping the team that he had, but also kind of looking at what he was doing with the team. And we'd spend a lot of time focusing on his unique ability, really understanding his his talents, his instincts, and what he could use to maximize the leaders in his company. So at that point, I think he had said, why don't you come down? Or maybe I talked to you, it's, it's getting fuzzy, but I headed down to meet with all of you together, which was really a, really a great thing to be in a room with all of you. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know, you and I had connected a couple of times beforehand because I remember when, when I was in kind of the courting process for access, Tim had talked highly about you and said that, you know, I was somebody that you needed to connect with. And we were kind of in the beginning stages of the utilization of Colby and Clifton in order to assess and, and understand our team. And I remember it was probably a month before I started, they sent me the spreadsheet about people's Colby's and their Clifton's and out of context, I didn't really understand what it was. And then you and I had, had some really important conversations and then I was able to, you know, take the test myself and I'm an 8832 and I was able to look at my, my Clifton's and, you know, I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm competition, I'm self-assurance, individualization and arranger. And, you know, Barb knows as, as much as anybody else in the world, those, those characteristics define me. You know, it was, it was so incredibly important for me as the operation leader of access to come in and, and understand really how I ticked and what drove me as a person and, and, and what drove my thinking. It was really a watershed moment for me in my life, both personally and professionally to really understand what comprised Davin Marceau. And you were a big part of that. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, once we started working with each other, we, we did get clear on what those talents were, which you've said already. But I also think that you came in with strategy. You came in thinking, how am I going to take this to this level with this team? And when we started working together, I think what it did, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it started to show you things. And the key word here is with speed, right? Mm -hmm. It would have taken you longer if you had come into uh, the the company with your strategy and really not understood the, the talents and the instincts of your team, of people you'd never met before. 
really quickly. So speed, I love assessments that give you knowledge about a person accurately with a lot of speed because mix that speed with your strategy and targeting and decision-making, it tends to move quickly. And, and what I think Tim and you were looking for was quick results because you didn't have the time to waste, right? As an organization to, to take the time slowly to do it, to build a you know really coaching leadership team. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that it, that it really did, anytime you know, you're a new leader coming in, yeah. I mean, especially in, in a COO role, and you know that there are broad scale, deep and wide organizational changes that need to be made. Yeah. What Colby and Clifton does is it provides you a metric and a, and a medium to be able to assess your team, to be able to start making those decisions that accumulate social and political capital with inside of your organization, to be able to make those broader scale changes. And I think that's where that tempo for Colby and Clifton was so important of where that provided us the tempo and the speed was that I could have meetings with people and use Colby and Clifton as the benchmark for that to be able to better understand them and how they played into the system and how they played into the team. And then I understood what made the people tick and we were able to assess who wasn't going to be a fit rather quickly and be able to make those changes that saw that allowed people in the company to see those positive changes and really buy into the system and increase the velocity that allowed us to be able to change it access at our core. Exactly. And if you'd come in and made some of those cleanups and messes go away without the idea of strengths-based development with the leaders and some of the team members, yeah, it would have been a frightening time for the company because you would have, you know, handpicked certain people that would have left, but you wouldn't have this foundation you were at the same time building on what people know about themselves to be true and useful to create value in their roles for the company. So it was right. kind of a, it was kind of like a two, four. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when, when you come into an organization that's been around for a long time, like access, you get a lot of those key players, those people that have been in those longstanding roles and for better or for worse, the, the people that work with them and around them and for them, they become endearing figures to the company. Yeah. Right. And you, you know, I was able to come in objectively and look at some of those and be like, I know you're not a fit. I know that, you, that, that you're not a long-term solution for the company. Yeah. But again, this is where Kobe and Clifton were able to help us so much. A, provide a coaching mechanism for them to try to make them better, but ultimately also provided us the outlet to be able to explain to the other team members, like, look, within the construct of Colby and Clifton, outside of the coaching, outside of the performance improvement that we tried to do, here's why they didn't work. Yeah. And we were able to provide some of that why that is able to not eliminate the sting of letting somebody go that you, that, that you care deeply for as a person, but at least lessen it and provide some context and some reasoning into why those changes were necessary. Yeah. And you know what I think it did in addition to that was that it allowed the person receiving the, the feedback and the change to accept it and own it from their perspective instead of being told they right. kind of, well, I think with some of them and they kind of, from what I remember that they would say, you know, huh, maybe this isn't for me. So instead allowed them to see how their strengths weren't really being uh, used or poised uh, well. <laughs> and so it kind of gave them the opt out, which I think they knew already, which made it easier, a little bit easier, not always with um, what you had to do. That, that's why that I think that December meeting that we had the first one remember and and this was when I, what I'd been at the company for a couple of months and yeah. you know if if you were to look back across that team and I know yeah. it's been a while since you've connected I mean it's seventy five percent different yeah and we were able to through that workshop that we did 
you and I were able to talk afterwards and we kind of went down the list. We're like, okay, so here's this person, VP of professional services, not a fit. Here's why. And we were able to, uh, again, it helped us understand the people that helped us understand the role that helped us understand the fit with them within the team. But again, at that point, you you can't just let somebody go because you know they're not a fit within Colby right, Clifton. Right. But it let us establish a coaching and performance-based organization at Access to try to make them better and to try to help them grow. And then at the end of that process, if you know that they're not going to be a fit, then you can let them go knowing that you did everything that you could do, right? Yeah. And the, and the, you're right. The ownership was put back on them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in a role in a company doing something for a company, you, uh, I mean, this is what we call sort of self-managing, right? right. You, you wanted uh, team members to become more ownership based on their strengths. You want them coming to you and saying, I don't really do well here. I've got an idea. Could I move over here? Or can I do more of this? Instead of them waiting for you to come to them to say something's not working. And I think that's the mindset shift. People use mindset a lot, but the shift or transition that many, I wouldn't say all, but many moved along with, which is what Tim's always been after, is to have that company that just manages itself to some degree. It doesn't mean we remove Tim or you from it, but you don't have the time to babysit people and their unique abilities, you know? Right. There's no time. Yeah, you eliminate that extrinsic motivational factor. You allow people yeah. to do what they love as much as possible on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that you're going to wake up and attack every single day with, with oh. vim and vigor. If we were so lucky to have 75% of our jobs be things that we just loved and charged yeah. you know, headlong into the fray. But you know, we were able to allow people to operate within their strengths and then also explain to them why it was their strength. And again, I think that, that provided a, a big element into that. And so... You know, subsequent to that, Barb, it also set me up in, in a position that I hadn't really been in before and where I was receiving, you know, regular coaching from you and from Tim. And all too often our, our listeners can identify with this a lot is that the leaders, we spend so much time trying to coach others that we forget that we, I don't care what level, I don't care what echelon you serve inside mm-hmm. of an organization. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a system and a process and a voice or voices that they can talk to, to give them objective feedback on their performance and to let them know you're either operating within your strengths or you're not. And here's why. Yeah. And you know what? I have to ask you this because I run into it a lot when people come to me to ask me to work with them. You know, they always say, well, Barb, you know, I'm looking for a coach who can be accountable, who can hold me accountable. And I actually cringe at that word because my, I'm kind of like a soccer coach or like a a coach Mm -hmm. that gets right behind you and whispers in your ear and says, you're effing up. This is what you're doing. I have to tell you. And the other side of coaching is to get it out of you by asking you questions, which is Mm -hmm. not how I operate. Other coaches do that. That's just not, I want to get right to the point and like show you what you're not seeing. And there's people that need that. And I think um, teams, different companies and different teams need different coaching, but you really got to know what type of coaching you need because there are, there is a difference between the two. I could have come down that time and watched you and asked, started asking so many questions. Like, what do you think, Davin? And what do you see? And I, I saw everything and I, you, you, you and I talked and I said, here's what I see. This is where you're at. This is what you're doing. And I think you appreciated me saying that to you. 
very much so. And it added a lot of depth to, to me again, personally and professionally. And, and that kind of brings us, we took the long way around getting mm -hmm. to today's topic. And it is an area where I think there's an incredible deficit in Delta inside of most companies. And that is performance-based coaching with inside of a company. And yeah. that foundation and that system, I think when people look across the board in their company, from the top down, it's lacking a coaching system. And I think there's an important distinction to make in there, Barb, is we're not talking about performance feedback, right? We're not yeah. talking about even leadership. I think there's such a misconception behind leadership versus coaching. I think people focus heavily on that, but it's it's directionless and, and it's a bit listless. And so I, I want to talk, and I know this is an area where, where you excel at and an area where you've brought so much value to access. And so for our listeners, A, the importance behind a coaching-based culture inside of a company, and then B, a little bit of a structure, how our listeners could go about arranging that. There's our topic for the day. For me, there's one way to do it. And the first way is, of course, find the assessments. We need assessments to find mm -hmm. our patterns of behavior and our instincts and things that sort of capture our knowledge. And we have to know ourselves first. And so having a coaching-based leadership position is having the leaders understand theirs. And, you know, a lot of people I meet, I'll say, I'll say to them, what, what are your strengths? And they can't tell me. They'll, they'll be generalizing like I'm a great networker or I, you know, I'm really great in sales, but I want to know how and what and why you do what you do. So I think once leaders are able to, to understand those three areas and have tangible language to disseminate them and discuss them, that's the first step. And then okay. the second step is they have to be willing to sort of hear the, the things that can prevent them from using their strengths. And sometimes it's them themselves. It could be other relationships, but they have to have open feedback. And if that's not there, you can't really move forward. You know, and I think leaders have to really be open to that. And then the third ingredient I'd say is, if this was sort of like a recipe, I think the third is that all of the leaders have to be in on this. They all have to be in, in agreement on wanting a coaching-based leadership group that leans to scalability of the company. So if one leader, and you, you know this, if one of the leaders is not into this approach of understanding each person's strengths and using it, there's going to be faults along the way. It just will not happen. So that's and, and, the three things. And we'll get to that. But you know, you know, our, our old CTO that used to be with the company for so long. We yeah. we had that, right? We had some counterfeit yeses and some false buy-in to these yeah. to the system. And we had a few false starts along the way because we didn't have overall buy-in across yeah. the top echelon of leadership and access. Right. So huge, huge point on that. And I know we're gonna touch on that more. So going back to point number one, I want to dive into each one of these briefly, Barb. The assessments the ability for your leaders to understand their strengths and their weaknesses and provide them the metrics for that and at access. And I know this is a big thing that you use is the Colby and Clifton's. Yeah. You know, so talk a little bit about that. I know you and Mike dove into that, but you know, talk about what made you begin to utilize those two benchmarks. The reason why I use those two is because they're the two tools that have always been 90% accurate with my work with people and understanding what they do best. And they've been around for a long time, so they've been sussed out research-wise, and no one's been able to poke a lot of holes in them. And they work well together. One is all of your instincts, which is Colby, and then the other is more of a personality piece, which I need to understand how you tick, what your feelings and behaviors are, and what's important to you, and that's the strengths, the Clifton strengths. So I just used to, I'll tell you one of the mistakes companies make, leaders make, they send their teams out to learn about leadership. And in those moments of being offsite at a workshop and listening to somebody talk about leadership, they come back 
with dipping their toe into it, but not really using it to the full effect that it's to be used. And so the mistake there is you've got to understand what assessments hit your culture, are going to fit your culture. People are going to accept them. They're going to like them. They're easy to remember. They're just a fun language. They're always positive. They don't pigeonhole. You got to really suss out what assessments you use and you got to be consistent. You cannot just share. I had a team once learn about the Enneagrams and they went and they had a great workshop day. They haven't looked at those Enneagrams for, for months. I mean, that will not help your company by just teaching people dips and little things and not really delving in to use them to actually apply them. Right. It's so much of that culture-based stuff, and whether it's with leadership or whatever, is the number of interactions and the amount of time that you're willing to put in and the effort that you're willing to put in to get it to become part of the culture. Yeah. And And I'm talking daily, like daily use of these things. Especially in the beginning, because nobody rises to the occasion. Everybody defaults back to their lowest level of preparation. Right. Right. And, and, and so to your point, whether it's the Enneagram or whether it's, you know, Grant Cardone or whatever leadership seminar that they send people to, there's no North star inside of the company. There's no true North. So they find themselves zigzagging along the way with whatever the latest trend or tip or exactly. trick or whatever it is happens to be, but none of it adds any depth to the organization. It, yeah, doesn't, and, it doesn't build a culture. Totally. And, and, and all of these strengths assessments, if, if they're valid and proven in their efficacy, the usefulness of them and how they're applied is where the win is. So when I came in, you guys took it really seriously. It wasn't like, oh, here's Barb. She's going to teach us something new. Check it out. It was like, we're using this. We're going to use this for a long time. Mm -hmm. The owners are using it. The leaders are using it. You've committed. And that, that is really what it takes in the, in the first part of this. Yeah. And an interesting part for us too, Barb, is that we were able to take these assessments, right? And we were able to build it as part of the culture. And we built our teams and we established our teams. And even the way we interacted with each other on a day-to-day basis based on our Colby and our Cliftons. Right. You know, and we kind of wove into that, the humble, hungry, smart, the ideal team player by Patrick Lencioni. And I know you've heard us talk about that extensively. Yeah. We were able to weave that into our culture. And now our semi-annual evaluations are based on humble, hungry, smart, Patrick Lencioni. They're based on the Colby and Clifton's because it's part of our culture. And now we have the ability to take people, understand who they are and why they are the way that they are and how they tick. And we're able to apply that in our feedback sessions throughout the year in a way that they can understand, in a way that they can identify with, in a way that's consistent. And when you can be consistent with your employees, they know that you're looking out for their best interest. But again, it's it's consistent application of this stuff and how they can grow and how they can get better. And that to me is culture. Totally. And as you led the team, the leadership team, and when you brought me in, I knew what your first strength was, which was learner. So that gave me insight into, I'm not just going in to sort of disseminate Colby and Clifton for fun. Um, Your learner is going to take these two tools. You're going to first learn about them, and then you're going to create a learning process for the rest of the team to use them. Now, it doesn't have to be so thorough, but however you designed the process of hiring with it, you know, meetings with it, quarterly sessions, however that seeps through and it doesn't have to be so specific, it was consistent. And that's what I think really helped you move forward. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was huge for us and it certainly laid the foundation and, you know, that type of culture, that type of, of assessment and strengths and understanding of it, it builds the foundation for you know, a coaching based organization. Yeah. Right? So, so number two, um, feedback, you know, the, the ability for <laughs> leaders at every level and every echelon 
to hear open and honest feedback. And, and I think this is where most people fail to understand the bi-directionality of feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So often it's the boss, it's the CEO, it's a COO casting down on high, telling people what it is that they're doing wrong and, and how they're doing it wrong and how they can be better. But there's no feedback mechanism to come back up through the top of the chain of command. Yeah. It's that ivory tower syndrome. So speak to that a little bit for me. I think, I mean, I can only relate it to you guys when I was in front of you, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're a pretty big guy and I'm a pretty small, tiny framed person. So when I had to give you feedback or even Tim, I mean, even Cody, any, any one of you, I mean, it's just interesting how with the assessments, I was able to always give the feedback, but in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all about how do we protect yourself from this habit or remove this habit that's connected to one of these instincts or strengths, if you will, or talents. And so I think for me, giving feedback was really important, but there had to be a framework. There had to be, right. there had to be common language. Like if I was about to say, you have competition, so you're always wanting to be the best and always winning. And for my feedback to you is like, let's take a look at this because sometimes you're not going to win. I mean, you're just not going to, and you're built to win. So when you and I would talk about it, you'd have to kind of stop and listen to me about how to how to maneuver yourself out of the win factor for a moment and i think i think step back and that feedback you know i think was easier given based off of your strengths yeah and for the record i still disagree that uh we can't always win uh, i just want to, I want to put that officially on the record that i disagree with barb that we can't always win <laughs> i knew you'd say that i knew you'd say that um, <laughs> feedback mechanism across a company is so important. And this is one of the big parts about what you did for us using Colby and Clifton is that you provided us a mechanism for how we could give feedback to each other in a way that we we could consume. You know, Tim and I are so different. He's a high quick start. I'm a low quick start. I'm a high fact finder. He's a, he's a low fact finder or long and short rather, but you were able to give us a language that we could speak to each other in ways that we could consume. And again, to to me, I think we go back to that foundational level with assessments and and being able to understand who we are and how we tick. It's so foundational and so important because not only does it provide you the benchmark, it provides you the language that you can speak to each other as well. Yeah. And you know what, to add to that, I think the, the trick about the two of you and your own strengths is that you started to create your own language to define what those strengths were. So, so, you know, you wouldn't just say that, you know, yes, I have competition, I mean, three people could have competition as a dominant talent, but the way you marry your competition with some of the other strengths in your dominant themes is different than the next person. So I think also it weaved a deepness to understanding each other and receiving and giving feedback, which wasn't so surface-based. It was more, you understood, like if I'm coming at you with, with competition, well, it's connected to a ranger. It's connected to learner. I mean, there's there's a whole chemistry to this. I always think of you guys when I coach you as petri dishes, and like all of these little like mechanisms joining each other, which are your strengths. And the stronger it is, the better. So I think, yeah, you're right. It it did it gave a, you guys a different framework. I think to um, to get that feedback. Well, and I want to touch kind of back on point number one, too, with this feedback mechanism and how important it is, is that it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. And we we thought we had it figured out pretty well as a company. And I think we did. And then we almost took it, Barb, and we put it on the bench for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, probably six months ago, Tim and I found ourselves, you know, at loggerheads over some pretty important issues inside of the company. And we ended up having to go back to the Colby's and the Clifton's and reset ourselves a little bit in order to almost reconnect and, yeah. and learn how we could speak to each other, how we could interact with each other in ways that we could understand. And so it speaks to the importance of, I don't care how long you've been doing it. We're a couple of years into this thing. If you don't do it and if you don't speak to it on a daily basis, it's going to get stale and you're going to have to go back to it and and reset it in order for it to become effective again. I always feel like I walk into your team leader meetings with all the team leaders in them. And I think of you as like um, being in the situation room. I don't know. I think it's, there's a the room where all these decisions are made right. by the leaders, right? And I, I always wonder when I walk in, uh, figuratively, when I'm thinking of walking into your situation room, who has what strengths and instincts and talents and knowledge? And are you using them as leaders at the highest capacity? Mm-hmm. Or is there political bullshit in there? Or, you know, uh, what's in the room that's going to stop you guys from making the most critical decisions and innovations and, and, right. and being creative? And I think you allowed for that. You've always had that up front as you've been in those figuratively speaking rooms to push the company forward, right? Remove StrengthsFinder and Colby and understanding coaching from that equation. It, it's a much different picture, right? Right. Yeah, you're you're removing the, the framework from it. Yeah. I think any leader that's listening to this, that anybody that's sitting in those boardrooms, if, if you think that the political factor doesn't exist inside of your company, then you're wrong. You're, pr- <laughs> you're, pr- you're probably the political factor that other people are, are having to work their way around. And, and yeah. again, it goes back to it. You taught us a way utilizing Colby and Clifton, a way that we could speak to that and lean into that and be able to just call it out for what it is. Because if it exists and you don't speak to it, then you're going to run into point number three, yeah. which is where you don't get broad scale organizational buy-in on this type of coaching mechanism. If you can't call that out, you're going to miss it. You're going to get counterfeit yeses. And this whole coaching system that you're trying to set up across your company is just going to come crumbling down. Yeah. And I mean, you guys set out to do one thing, I think. I mean, of course, make the company prosper, but it was to do that through leveraging team members to do what they do best in their roles for your clients, right? That was what you were charged to do at a higher level than what it was doing before. And I think bringing in the StrengthsFinder and and Clifton and me and the whole coaching aspect and with Tim was allowing that to happen. um, And I go back to this with speed, right? with an understanding of each person knowing what they do, how they do it best and where they are and kind of leaning in. Right. That was the requirement is everyone had to lean in equally as leaders. Yeah. And and I think the first time we had you come down to Dallas versus the second time when you and I debriefed, we knew that there wasn't buy-in. Yeah. We knew, we knew that we had gotten some counterfeit yeses across the board. And and so we had more work that we had to do behind the scenes. Mm -hmm in order to be able to let this system permeate. Because if we would have applied it and went forward with it and been like, this is our system with the people that we have, it would have failed miserably. And it did in the interim. You know, We had some serious, serious oh. struggles yeah. between the second time you came down and we sat in the, in the boardroom in the new office, it was completely different. That's when it, we were able to sit in the front of the room and talk about our strengths. And, and mm-hmm. we were able to compliment each other and lean into that kind of stuff because we had buy-in at that point. And in December, we didn't have buy-in. We had people that left that meeting and shook their head and talked about how stupid Tim and I were and about how this was never going to work. And it almost increased the level of toxicity that we had across the company. 
Yeah. And, you know, when I came in that first time, you're right. I, I looked across the room and everybody, some had their arms folded. Mm-hmm. Others were thinking, oh, who's this new person that they're just going to throw another idea to? And it's just all going to be sort of BS. And we're just going to kind of go through the motions. And I think, you know, as I've started to coach and walk through everything, that trust, that reality of like, we're not doing this, you know, for any other reason than for you, for each of you to grow and to be able to do what you do best given your role and to move that forward. And I think they started to get that, but you're right in between that time, you guys went to work with like working each person Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have done it if you didn't have the common language of the strengths to, to kind of work off of them. So it was just rinse and repeat after that. Yeah, absolutely. And we had to provide a a bit of a tiered approach to this because we had to, we had to take this kind of coaching system that we built and apply it across the executive leadership team first, because we, 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 you and I knew, and and Tim, Tim was in that as well. We knew the individuals that hadn't bought in. We knew the, the people that we had to provide the mechanism to grow, to be able to fit our new system or they weren't going to be here anymore. So we had to go to work behind the scenes, put this coaching system in a place, try to coach them up, try to make them better, try to rehab them, which is a word that I hate. Yeah. And by the time you came down the second time, those people Different. had fallen away yeah. because, because they, they didn't fit the system anymore. And we were able to further solidify that system. And then it became part of the culture. Yeah. You got the traction from that question for you. I mean, this is stepping outside of the zone of this, but it, it has meaning is, you know, if you're someone that comes in and resuscitates, right? Re-strategizes, fixes, restores. Um, if you were to step out into another company, could you see using these same principles or same, the same recipe um, as, as a successful method of creating that leadership team? I couldn't imagine not using it, Barb. Yeah. I couldn't imagine walking in blind without a system to use and benchmarks in place to be able to properly evaluate my people. Yeah. How can I be an effective leader if I don't have a tool through which I can appropriately evaluate them, but not only, not only them, Barb, but myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so that, that's why, you know, you go back to number one, I, I can't imagine what it would be like going into a company as somebody who's, who's responsible for the financial well being and the leadership of these, of these people without having a way to do it effectively. Yeah. And that to me is the biggest takeaway with all of this is, is use step number one and apply it and apply it and apply it until it becomes your operative norm. Yeah. And isn't it a running joke? It might be on your end with everybody on the team that when they have to talk to me or kind of book their sessions, that it's like, you know, she's just going to rinse and repeat. But I mean, I, I would be a fool of a coach to give you new new bright and shiny objects and not just revisit what you already currently have as your strengths and make them stronger and make you kind of pivot from them and add more to them. And I just feel like that would be um, a disservice. So I'm sure they always laugh because they're like, I know what Mark's going to talk about, (laughs) you know, and, uh, but it's true. That's, that's the, the coach is only there to like work with what your resources are, of course, to add more, but to really use what makes you create in the world. It's an interesting point because you're right. And we do know what it is that you're going to talk about, but there's never been a session that I've left with you or the team that they've left with you where they haven't learned something new about themselves yeah, and, and how to make themselves better because of that consistent application of Colby and Clifton, because we have that true North inside of our company, you can come back and revisit it a hundred times and you're going to learn something new about yourself and about how to better lead your team hundred times out of a hundred. And if you don't, then there's some inward reflection that needs to happen about why. Yeah. 
in looking at this in a different way, a lot of companies and, and team leaders, when they're talking about coaching and the strengths approach, will sort of get scared about the psychological aspect of it. And mm -hmm. there is a difference between psychological work and just understanding your strengths. And I think people mix them up a lot. And they mix up what a coach or a leadership coaching team does with all of that. And they think it's, you know, loosey-goosey, like um, emotional stuff. Right. But, but there is a fine line to it. And good coaches can, can keep to that fine line and maneuver through with working with the person, you know, in a, in a very straightforward way instead of delving into that world, which is uh, for other experts to deal with, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 And, and we, you, we don't want to become psychologists. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but you know, that's one of the things that is a bit of a, a, a concern for team members when, mm -hmm. you know, you bring in some of this work. Can you speak to a little bit about what you guys have experienced, if, if any of that? or? <laughs> We, we were able to avoid it for the most part because it, I think what you're saying is HR can get a little bit concerned and employees can get a little bit concerned that you're getting a little bit too psychological and a little yeah. bit too in the weeds with them. And again, that's the beauty behind the framework is that, is that it, it provides something that's coaching based and teaches them basically how they think. You're not diving into their past or you know the struggles that they had with their parents. You know, This is literally, what are your instincts and what is your personality? And this, yeah. is, this is what drives you. And so if you can coach and teach to that level of understanding without diving into, you know, some of the flipping over stones in their, in their past <laughs> or, or even in their, in their present situation, I think that's how as a company you can, you can build this type of program without making HR cringe and without your employees worry about that. You're trying to be some voodoo witch doctor who's trying to dive into their that's past too far. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, I think the, the, the fact of the work that we've designed and did over uh, at Access was more about really understanding the roles uh, that you had created or that were currently in existence and who the people were in that actually, you know, worked the roles. And, right. and that keeps it away from the psychological other stuff, you know, because you're focused on running a team that's going to produce results and every day come in and, and at least be positive and happy right. and, you know, get the job done and then go home and come back and do the, it again with more fervor. Yeah. Next time around. Rinse and repeat. And it provides yeah. them that, that consistency and, and you know, employees need that. They want yeah. that. They, they desire that, especially in COVID times when everything is so incredibly uncertain. If you can provide them that consistency day to day, then you're going to, you're going to see them flourish and you're going to see your coaching efforts pay off tenfold. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. I feel like your leadership team taking it on and sort of dipping into it and then coming back to it. And just uh, like you said, maintaining it is harder than you think. Oh. But if a leadership is, uh, team is not poised to do that, it's not a good investment to make. Absolutely. And, and again, that's why this, this three-step approach is so important because it's scalable and repeatable. Yeah. You know, faces and leaders inside of a company are going to change. If you have this in place and you understand your culture and, and how to apply it, you can plug and play a new VP. You can plug and play a new director and you know how to coach them. You know how to assess them and then coach them and build them up in that role. And it, and it just, it makes your, your organization easier to grow. It makes it easier to scale. It makes it easier to provide assessment and feedback for that new face, just like it did for the person that had been there for 15 years. Yeah. With, I mean, with all the balls in the air for you leading the team, when you go to bed at night, just on the team side of things, knowing what you know with the assessments and with the coaching of the strengths of the team, for the most part, I mean, it's never perfect and we're not saying that it is, but but you know, 75% to 
Um, everyone's in it trying to, you know, do their, their best with what they've now learned. What do you, what makes you sleep at night knowing that that has been in place? You know, I, I feel, and, and this is part of my individualization um, and, and my competition is, is I, I feel such a huge burden of responsibility to make sure that, that I'm allowing my team to be the best that they can be. Yeah. And if I'm not, then I feel as though I'm almost jeopardizing their ability to provide for their families. You know, like yeah. that kind of stuff weighs heavily on me as a leader. Mm -hmm. And so what helps me sleep at night is knowing that we, again, we have this in place. This is part of our culture at Access. And you can call any one of our executives and, and have a conversation with them about this. And they're going to be able to thoroughly understand their Colby's, their Clifton's, and then how, how it works at Access and, and how they use that to be able to grow. So what, what about an example? Because I think we can talk about strengths and instincts and in both assessments, but I mean, you wake up one morning, um, you know, heading into work and you know, there's a call and you don't have to be specific in terms of an example, but, you know, and you have to kind of dive in. How do the, how does this work that we've done take into gear for you and move things along? You know, for, Rob is a perfect example of this. Yeah. You know, we, we brought in Rob True. He was, he was at Meditech for a long time, came over and he took over as our VP of client services. He's a high fact finder. He's a he's a high follow through, and he's the one that's that's responsible for for making some of these, you know, taking a customer that's escalated, being able to work with them, de-escalate, and be able to you know maintain them as a customer at access. And so I know how to speak to Rob because he and I he and I's Colby's are are very similar. So I I know I can pick up the phone. I can call Rob. He can basically brief me on what's going on. I know that he's going to take the ball. He's going to run with it. He's going to follow up with that customer. He's going to make that customer happy. He's going to come back to me. I'm going to have that conversation with him. And then I know in turn how to talk to Tim and be able to give him the, you know, the 45 second update on what that issue was. It allows me again, it provides me the way to talk to the team and the way to talk to Tim. And when these issues pop up, like I know that they know what my, my, my expectations are. I know yeah. what Tim's expectations are and it flows downhill and it flows back uphill seamlessly. Yeah, and I think that's it's so true that you said that because the two things uh, in just piggybacking to your describing him, Rob, is that you know his input is his number one. So mm -hmm. you're waking up, and I know this of you, to be like, he's so resourceful. He's got everything at his fingertips, knowledge-wise, resource-wise. He's collecting things along the way with his input. And then he's includer, so he's going to make sure everyone he touches feels included. Right. I mean, that's how he solves problems. And I think, I mean, the other strengths are there too, like communication, but, but yeah. And so knowing this, it's, it's almost innate. It's not like you're waking up going, Oh, he's got input, but it's, it's knowing him yeah. so well with those over time that makes you pick or, or deal with the situation that he's involved in in a certain way. No, I love that. I, I think that's a perfect example. And, and I think that's a, a good place to actually end this thing. And so I want, I want to wrap it up to kind of, again, briefly discuss the three points. Yeah. You said how to build a coaching based organization. And that's the assessments. Teach your people who they are and how they think and why they think. Mm -hmm. Provide the feedback mechanism that's open and honest. And I think it, to add to that, this is bi-directional. And then yeah. the third part is to make sure that you are able to capture and maintain organizational buy-in. Anything else to add to that? No, I mean, if, and it's just rinsing and repeating that for years after year. I mean, as soon as you pivot to something new, which isn't not a bad thing to do, but if you add an ad, it confuses the team. It, and leadership teams have too much on their plate to give them more to learn and figure out. You, you know, this works. I think it's the best thing to do is to at least sit with it for a couple of years so that it becomes a framework within the culture. 
Um, and it even like seeps into becoming a, you know, a daily, as I said before, a daily use of these things, you know, hourly even in, in the activities that we do. But no, I think we've hit it all. I love it's been it. so good. I, I mean, you and I could keep going because we're so passionate about this work, right? <laughs> but we'll end there. <laughs> well, and, and everybody, everybody needs a barb in their life. They really, really do. And, and I want to give you, plug people your website, you know, tell them a little bit about how they can reach out and find you if they want to have a conversation with you after this, because I can't speak highly enough about you, about who you are as a person, about who you are as a professional. You're one of my favorite people to connect with because of the, what you've added to my life in the last couple of years that we've known each other has helped me grow in ways that's hard to articulate on the podcast. So how can people get some barb in their life? Yeah, I think, you know, the best way to do it, uh, my company name is B Consulting and uh, the best way to find me is off of LinkedIn as Barb DaCosta and B Consulting. My website is Strengths-Based Development, but my work has changed a little bit over time to become what we've discussed mm -hmm. more so now, even more so today. So that's how they can reach out to me and it's just using those two simple things and a few other things to kind of unlock the potential of each person okay. know, is what I do. And, and I think what we'll do is we'll take your, your website and we'll plug it into the show notes. And that way, if any of our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, it'll give them a way to do that. Thank you, Devin. Well, <laughs> Barb, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, Barb. Take care. Bye. And for our listeners, you know, again, we're always looking for feedback on this podcast hit the subscribe button, give us some critical feedback, how we can make this thing better. Go to our website at accessefm.com. Check us out there. Find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. Give us a like, give us a tweet, give us a thumbs up and appreciate you guys listening.